Hello everyone and welcome to Unorthodoxy. My name is Duncan and this is part three in our short detour series. Um, we're taking a little bit of a trip into Jungian typology. And so far we've covered the basic attitudes, introversion and extroversion, and the four learning or perceiving functions together with the perceiving axes. And if none of what I've just said rings a bell, either you haven't heard the previous podcasts or maybe you need to go back to them. In this episode, I want to look at the so-called judging or deciding functions. It's here that we get some very interesting insights into how we function because here we are clued into not just how we acquire and organize information, but what we actually do with it in the world. When I've covered the judging functions, I'll take a look at the judging function axes, and then I'll just note a few points on judging and perceiving, on typology in general, and then on typing using this typology, um, which I probably said a little bit too quickly, but as we go along, I hope this will all make sense. I'll get to more on how all of this relates to personal growth in the next episode uh, when I use myself as a case study. When it comes to making decisions or judgments, we tend to root those decisions primarily in personal criteria or impersonal criteria. In the Jungian system, personal criteria fall under feeling, F for short, and impersonal criteria fall under the category of thinking, T for short. Right off the bat, we need to take note of the fact that it is a mistake to think of the difference between feeling and thinking in Jung's typology as being the difference between irrationality and rationality. Remember that the learning functions that we covered in the previous episode are the so-called irrational functions. Or may maybe I think it would be better if they'd been called non-rational functions. Uh, but for Jung, feeling and thinking are both rational decision-making functions. The major difference between them, as Juan Sandoval notes, is that feeling takes bodily feedback and sentiments into account, whereas thinking tends not to. Don't get me wrong, feeling and thinking are connected, as we'll get to later when we discuss the function axes, but one is nevertheless always prioritized in each person. So let's deal with feeling, shortened to F, and then we'll get to thinking, shortened to T in the MBTI code. First, I'll describe feeling in general before looking at how this plays out when it is introverted, that will be FI for short, or extroverted, FE for short. So in general, feeling tends to prioritize the personal and emotional impact of something when making decisions. In other words, it's geared towards the relational and personal consequences of decisions. You could say that in a contest between tact and blunt honesty, feeling will prioritize tact. This does not necessarily mean not telling the truth. It just means instead, to quote Mary Poppins, that a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine to go down. And yes, as I said, it is a rational function. What is at stake for feeling in Jungian typology is the question of values and ethics, more than the issue of emotionality. Some people assume, for instance, that thinking types are not as sensitive as feeling types, and this is not always the case. What we're looking for is not exactly sensitivity, but attunement to values, and these will be both personal and public. And it is the personal or more communal dimension of deciding by feeling that is the question of whether we're looking at introverted feeling, that will be FI, or extroverted feeling, that's FE. 
So let's look at each of these in turn. First, introverted feeling. You could give this the nickname authenticity. This is the primary cognitive function of ISFPs and INFPs and the auxiliary function of ESFPs and ENFPs. FI or introverted feeling does happen to be highly connected with subjective emotional experience, but it is more concerned with the microscopic nuances in the FI user's value system. You could think of FI in terms of stored emotional ideals, emotions experienced in the past, how things affect the FI user in the present, and how things fit with his or her own very nuanced value system. Introverted feeling looks at every individual as a unique soul with a unique take on the world, and FI users will do almost anything to preserve and defend that uniqueness, that authenticity of the individual over and against the tyrannical world order, or potentially tyrannical world order. What matters is the authentic ethics of each person, and the idea here is that a universal value system that applies to everyone would seem to the usual FI user to be mostly an absurdity. Um, you could say that introverted feeling, especially as a dominant function, will tend to be highly empathic. Its concern is with how any given thing works with another person's unique individual values and ideals. This isn't exactly the same as the dominant extroverted feeling or FE user, which is what we'll look at next. It's usually posited that Søren Kierkegaard wasn't an FI dominant user, although there is some contestation around that since we have only got access to his writings. And I, I should actually say the, the proviso here is um, often you see certain modes of thinking in people's writing that that when you, if you were to have a conversation with them in real life, you might may notice quite important differences. Um, it's likely, in my view, that Dostoevsky was, like Kierkegaard, an INFP. But again, uh, there are va variations in the way that he writes character that may suggest something else too. And this brings me to extroverted feeling, or FE. And this can be given the nickname harmony, or maybe even collective sympathy. It is an extroverted function, so it deals with values and ethics on a much larger more collectivist scale, uh, not the not the very personal uh, dimension that FI brings to it. It is the primary function, the dominant function of ESFJs and ENFJs, and it is the auxiliary function of ISFJs and INFJs. FE treats sentiment as an objective and very general thing. It deals with the feelings and values of a group and, and with how that group functions interpersonally. This is very different from FI's tendency to treat sentiment as a highly individual and personal thing. FE tends to presume that everyone should be on board with whatever the general ethos happens to be. And this is often at the expense of that automatic recognition of unique people with unique experiences. Unless, of course, the FE user um, is, is attuned to the bias of that function. But the FE user also tends to be slightly clueless in general about his or her own sentiments. The tendency, especially in slightly oblivious FE users, will be to think about everyone's concerns without necessarily including themselves in that word, everyone. The question that FE asks is, how do others feel? What is my role in creating harmony? 
Its interest is in etiquette and social expectation, but this will be highly dependent on their perception of what etiquette and social expectation ought to be. FI, of course, is far less concerned about social expectation because social expectation often compromises authenticity. I can only think of one dominant FE user in the contemporary intellectual sphere, and that would be Jordan B. Peterson. His TI is surprisingly well-developed for an ENFJ, but he is definitely a dominant FE user. Other famous dominant FE users are people like Martin Luther King Jr. Um, Oprah Winfrey is also one. I think Richard Raw and Rob Bell are both ENFJs, although they are very different enneotypes. So those are the feeling decision-making functions about which I will say a little more when I get to the judging function axes. But now it's time to look at the thinking functions, which again divide into TI, that's introverted thinking, and TE, that's extroverted thinking. In general, thinking functions prefer making decisions based on logic rather than sentiment. Thinking as a dominant or auxiliary function will be somewhat dismissive of sentiment, and that whether it's personal or public sentiment, on the somewhat misguided grounds that decisions can be made without any emotional cost. Just like feeling types will forget sometimes that there will always be um, impersonal categories in play in their own feeling-centered decision-making. Of course, thinking cannot work apart from feeling, as we'll see with the function axes, but thinkers do find rather interesting ways to undermine feeling, and this will also be, interestingly enough, at the cost of their thinking. Thinking is focused on impersonal things and criteria rather than on human experience and human relationships, unless human experience and relationships can be considered somehow as part of their rational categories. Thinking in general also prefers truthfulness to tact. Uh, blunt honesty is, is often the way to go rather than trying to cushion it in all sorts of sentiments. But then, as I said, there are two thinking functions, and these work quite differently depending on their attitudes or orientations. The first I want to look at is introverted thinking. This is TI, which can be given the nickname accuracy. It is the primary function of ISTPs and INTPs and the auxiliary in ESTPs and ENTPs. TI can be thought of in terms of pure, impersonal, abstract logic. It involves deductive reasoning. TI prizes the subjective value of ideas and making decisions about what's happening in our heads. It works from thought or theory towards facts, but it ends with thought and theory again. So it's 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 like subjective into the concrete back to the subjective. I think you, that's actually a pattern that you can follow with any of the functions. It starts with its dominant orientation, works into the the opposite orientation, and then back to that dominant orientation again. The most brilliant TI dominant user in the history of philosopher, in my view, uh, was St. Thomas Aquinas. Immanuel Kant, like Aquinas, was an INTP, and my guess is that the contemporary theologian David Bentley Hart is also an INTP. Then last of all the functions that we're dealing with is extroverted thinking, or TE. TE could be nicknamed effectiveness. It is the primary function in ESTJs and ENTJs, and it is the auxiliary function in ISTJs and INTJs. While TI works with deductive reasoning, TE works with 
inductive reasoning. TI is incredibly incremental. It works bit by bit through every fine detail of the logic of something, while TE tends to be much more prone to taking shortcuts. But of course, the TE user will only take the shortcut if it makes sense to them. The inductive reasoning of TE is focused on multiplying facts. It's very preoccupied with ordering the world or making decisions about what's happening in the world. And it is extroverted after all, which means that it is not like the very abstract TI, but is much more decidedly concrete. It prizes translating thought into practical, workable solutions, and it works from facts towards a theory and then back to the facts. The TE user will be quicker to point out whether something is logical or not than the TI user, but the TE user will be less equipped in general with regard to noticing gaps in its own deductive reasoning than the TI user will be because the TI user is much more focused on deductive reasoning. Um, there, there is some speculation around philosophers who are TE dominant. Aristotle was probably an ENTJ, and I think that makes sense, um, as, as was the philosopher Averroes. Interestingly, as a researcher and lecturer, it is often fascinating to me how the different kinds of thinking described in these cognitive functions is evident in the work of my students. It's very clear, for instance, when someone is a TE user, since their logic tends to be somewhat more scattershot in its aesthetic. Um, a, a shotgun is fired from various angles, creating a kind of pointillist image out of which the dominant argument emerges. The TI users, on the other hand, tend to prefer incrementally working from one logical thought to another, and they try to leave as few gaps as possible. So it's much more sort of painstaking in, in process. Remember that TE is about effectiveness. If a good argument can be created while certain bits and pieces are left out, well, that's good enough. The TI user sometimes finds this very frustrating because it's trying to build a wall that has no space for air, in a way, to use the metaphor. But, of course, here I'm contrasting TE dominance with TI dominance, when the various cognitive functions clearly do have to work together. Now, if you are not lost by now, well done. That is probably more owed to your listening ability than to my ability to explain all of this stuff. It is very dense information, I realize that. I know this can also make for a fairly harsh listening experience because I'm relying on a lot of abstractions. So for the sake of keeping us on the same page, and before I get to the nature of the judging axes, I want to just briefly summarize what we've covered so far. We've looked at extroversion and introversion, the main difference between the two being an orientation towards the objective, E, or the subjective, that's I. We've also looked at the different learning or perceiving functions. SE is about the concrete awareness of this reality. SI is about the wisdom taken from this concrete reality. NE is about the awareness of possible realities, while NI is about wisdom taken from possible realities. Then lastly, we've covered the judging functions. First, FI, which is about subjective principles. And whether those principles are good or bad is a very highly individual thing for FI. FE looks at specific external issues and facts and makes a determination regarding whether they are good or bad in general for everyone. 
Then TI looks at individual but very impersonal principles, while TE looks at specific facts and basically making everything work. Here's another way to look at these things. SE is about what is there. SI is about what is there for me. NE is about what could be. NI is about what could be for me. FE is about what others want. FI is about what I want. TE is about what works. And then TI is about what works for me. It took me quite a while to click all of this stuff, so don't panic if it doesn't make immediate sense. One of the reasons I'm recording this series is so you can listen to it more than once if you care to or need to. I'm also doing my best to distill the most essential stuff, hopefully with some measure of success. But now, let's briefly look at the judging or decision-making function axes. Remember that none of these cognitive functions work in isolation. They all work together with their opposites. And the better their opposites are integrated, the better each function will function. Just as there are two perceiving axes, NISE and NESI, so there are two judging axes, FITE and FETI. Very briefly, the FITE axis asks, what do I want and how can I get it? Remember, FI, what I want, is personal, and TE, what works, is public, but impersonal. The FITE axis is about hierarchies of desires and motivations that result in action. The general bias of FITE types is that people do things because they want to. It's about willing, but obviously, depending on who you are, you will either place more emphasis on FI or on TE. Interestingly, the FITE axis has a bias in favor of substance ontologies and tends to want to look at very highly individualist ways of thinking and willing. As far as I can tell, a lot of process theology um, emerges out of this axis. So people who have a tendency to favor that theology also have a tendency to be part, part of the FITE bias. You, you see this um, very individualist way of thinking in philosophers like Nietzsche, the INTJ. The FIT axis also tends to be more comfortable with very materialist ways of thinking. The world is somewhat impersonal and even hostile for these types in general. Now for the FETI axis. Well, this asks, what do I think, TI, and how can I communicate it? FE. It focuses on knowledge abstracted from the individual situation and assumes that people do things because they ought to. There's a knowing here rather than a willing in the FETI axis. Some people who use this axis focus on FE and others obviously then lean on TI. And here's the weird thing. Those that make use of this axis tend towards having a more holistic ontology. They often tend towards a kind of Platonism. The world is perceived as having a kind of soul, um, and everything else is ensouled in a way. For the FETI user, reality on the whole is more personal than it is for the FITE axis user. Pythagoras, Plato, and Plotinus are FETI axis users, as is uh, yours truly, although I'm going to say more on that in the next episode. Now, by the end of all of this, 
even if you haven't done the MBTI test, you will hopefully have a clearer sense of which cognitive functions are part of your makeup. I say hopefully because I know that with all of these abstractions floating around, maybe you're out there thinking, well, thanks for nothing, Duncan. Now I'm totally lost. In which case, I will leave that up to you to decide, of course, in keeping with whichever judging axis you happen to be working with. I will be putting extra resources in the show notes, and my aim there will just be to put the main stuff that actually helps to make sense of all of this. Anyway, you may be wondering, so what is that last letter of the MBTI code? That J or P that you got if you happen to fill the test out correctly? Well, the J stands for judging, meaning that it's referring to deciding. And that P stands for perceiving. That's about learning. And what the J or P indicates is something about your relationship with the external world. Is your relationship with the external world a judging, decision-making relationship? Or is it a perceiving relationship, a learning relationship? In other words, as you interact with the objective realm, do people see you being rather decisive about it? That's judging. Or do they see you going with the flow, more or less? Well, that's perceiving. For simplicity's sake, we can trust that the J always refers to the judging function and the P always refers to a perceiving function. In other words, the J always refers to the third letter in your MBTI code and the P always refers to the second letter in your four-letter MBTI code. So if there's a J at the end of your code, you know that the thing that people see is your judging function. And if there's a P then you know that what people see is that perceiving function of yours. In general, people with a primary function that is judging, that would be T-I, T-E, F-I, and T-E, will tend to be more rigid and will struggle more with changing their minds than people whose primary function is a perceiving function. But sometimes this judging function is not what is extroverted, as is the case with T-I and F-I users. So for example, ENFJs and INFJs both extrovert the judging function FE, but for ENFJs, the judging function is their primary function, whereas for INFJs, it is auxiliary. And I would just say as a general rule, those who have a dominant function that is a judging function, they tend to decide first and then try and learn second. Whereas people who learn, the the cycle starts with learning and then moves towards deciding. Then as another example, INFJs extrovert their judging function and INFPs extrovert their perceiving function. So INFJs may tend to look more rigid than INFPs, but in fact INFPs will tend to be harder to persuade or bend since they are much clearer on their own values. We are almost there, folks. I just have one last thing to say about Jungian typology in general, and then a very brief note on bias and personal growth. The traditional way that the Jungian system has been used in the Myers-Briggs model or MBTI with that four-letter code has been to note that each function is part of a stack, starting with the dominant function, which is the driver or default function, and then moving on to the auxiliary function, and then beneath and opposite to that auxiliary function is the tertiary function and finally beneath and opposite to the dominant function is the so-called inferior function. 
the remaining four functions, as the theory goes, are completely unconscious. So they're not part of our conscious awareness. Now, this so-called function stack is generally speaking a helpful way to look at our strengths and weaknesses and how we need to grow. And I'll cover a little bit more on that in the next episode. But with the objective typing people like objective personality and cognitive type, they're starting to pick up that there are an incredibly large number of exceptions to the rule. So for example, you have most people of a type that typically have a very weak and immature inferior function, but then you get others whose inferior function is so strong that it feels completely integrated into that person. I've mentioned Jordan Peterson, the ENFJ, whose inferior function, TI, is incredibly well-developed, but there are others like Alanis Morissette, the INTP, whose FE, also her inferior function is very well developed, so well developed that she mistypes so easily as an INFJ. And then you have the INFJ Zach Efron, whose SE is well developed. Then there are some types whose auxiliary function is incredibly well integrated with their tertiary function, and they will also easily mistype. And the point of me saying all of this is basically this. One way to look at and learn the MBTI is to go into enormous detail concerning typical patterns and another way is to try and learn the cognitive functions properly and just observe how they play out in you and in other people. And in the end, I think both are potentially helpful, but if you had to pick one, I'd suggest getting to know the cognitive functions well. You can start to understand the benefits and deficits of each especially as they play out in yourself. And figuring this out, especially in concert with understanding your own function axes, uh, will help you to get a much better sense of how to be a more balanced human being. So that is it for this episode. In the next episode, uh, whether it's a good idea or not, I'm going to use myself as a case study for how this stuff has been helpful to me. And in the process, I'm going to arrive at a few principles that you can take into account for your personal growth. Remember, Jung's typology deals much more with a kind of container, um, the content of which will be up to your discernment. And I think in the end, it is that content which is more important uh, than the container. Until then, take care, everyone. <laughs>